WGRS Talk is made possible by the Anchor app. If you've never heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's absolutely free and allows you to make your own podcast on your phone or on your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can make money from your podcast as well without a minimum membership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So, go and download your Anchor app for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. You're listening to the Wolf's Den Radio Show. Talk. Hey, sisters and brothers, this is another episode of WDRS Talk, the Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk, and this is your host, your brother from another mother, spreading cosmic love wherever I can, Wolf Hemora, in your ears, in your minds, and in your soul. How's everybody doing out there? Welcome to another episode. This is episode 32. We are getting along with the episodes, and I hope you're enjoying the interviews uh, so far, and I'm enjoying giving them to you. So uh, before anything else, this this is going to be a really great interview coming up. Um, and I'll tell you all about it. But before we do that, let's get some business out of the way. And I would like to invite you, please, if you are listening to this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Please like the episode. And uh, if you're on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, please give it give the show a follow. And all those things help out in the algorithms of the Internet. They will help the show. And uh, you can also show your support by donating some funds for the show. And you can do that on the Anchor.fm website or the Anchor app. And uh, when you go to the WDRS Talk page, uh, you, you will see a uh, support button or a donate button. You can press that and uh, any amount that you can spare for the show is welcome and is much appreciated. You can also... Uh, be a monthly donor, and I got a couple people uh, giving uh, monthly donations, and I truly, truly appreciate that. I love you guys. And uh, so, yeah, if you can support the show that way, everything is welcome. All right, and then what else? Um, Please check out my new band, my new band project. Uh, It's called The Melodies. D's spelled D-E-E-S. And you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it's at Melodies Official. And on Facebook, it's at The Melodies. And we got a new single out. It's called Laman. Uh, You can check it out on all the streaming platforms. Uh, And I'm not sure. We gave the song to a couple of uh, stations in in Manila. I hope they play them. And uh, if not, uh, you can go to Jam 88.3. You can request the song and demand that they play it. It's called Laman, and it also has a music video on YouTube. And uh, do check out that uh, YouTube channel as well of the Melodies. And uh, we are gearing up for some really good projects next year. You know, it's it's the holiday season, and everyone's just too busy to be doing band stuff. You know, it's always in Christmas, band stuff always uh, uh, takes a break because everyone else is doing their shopping and whatnot and celebrating and eating and drinking so um, with regards to that, it is going to be a great holiday season. It is uh, here in America. It is the first uh, day of 
Hanukkah, which is a Jewish holiday. And uh, of course, the Christian Christmas is, is, is always on after Thanksgiving. It's on right now. And we got some Kwanzaa happening in the last week of December. And that is an, American, an African-American uh, holiday as well. I don't know much about Kwanzaa. I should really read up on, on that holiday and see what that's about. Um, but anyway, please have a safe holiday. Um, there's still a pandemic. There is an actual new variant that just popped up in South Africa. So, man, and Europe... Uh, and Eastern Europe uh, and some parts of, of Western Europe, like Germany and France, they are contemplating on doing another lockdown because the cases are going up again. And uh, we got to put a stop to this, ladies and gentlemen, and um, sisters and brothers. And the best way to do it is really you got to get inoculated. That's the only way. This is the only way. And those people who are still on the fence, um, I don't want to say that you're being selfish but you kind of are so because this is a collective thing and it's not a political issue this is a health issue and it's only people in politics who are making it political which really you know there it's all bullshit that's that's the bullshit part of it but it is a health issue and the best way that we can help this uh, to beat this pandemic is to get vaccinated and uh, I'm going to get my booster actually tomorrow um, and I hope you guys get your boosters as well if you've had your your initial uh, vaccines already but if you haven't had your initial vaccine yet please whoever you are out there please get yourself inoculated uh, be safe Make yourself safe, or others around you safe. Let's keep everybody safe. Let's look out for one another. That's, that's the one thing that's disappearing in this day and age is that we're not looking out for each other. We're not looking out for the greater good of everybody. It seems that everyone is, is doing it just for themselves. And that's not the way that human beings are supposed to be. You got to get out. You got to get out of your room, get out of your computer and live outside, live outside the bubble, live in the world and see other people and, 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 and don't, don't, uh, don't lose your empathy for other people because that's the only way the human race is going to move forward is if we, all of us, all of us, every single one of us helps each other out and looks out for each other. So please Get inoculated. Let's beat this motherfucker and get back to normal. I mean, really get back to normal. And I've heard that uh, the Philippines is opening up again. And that's really great news. One thing I would like you to do is please watch a movie in a movie theater. There's the new James Bond film that's out. It's really, it's really great. It's the best James Bond movie I've ever seen. And... Um, and there's a lot of movies out there that are just awesome, and you got to watch it in the movie theater. There is nothing like the movie theater. I don't care how rich you are. Well, yeah, if you're rich enough to have a movie theater in your house, then great. But <laughs> the movie theater for me is the best sound system that you can watch a movie in. And uh, it's great, man. Some nice warm popcorn and a cold ice Coca-Cola or a Sprite. Oh, God damn. 
Nothing gets any better than that. So go out into the world. See people, see your friends, hug. You know, I don't know. Uh, if you don't want a social distance, at least say to each other, hey, I'm inoculated, let's hug. And just go out to the world and live again. And with that said, on to episode 32. And uh, this is going to be the second installment of the commemoration of uh, the 25th anniversary of the release of Wolfgang's second album called Semenelin. And my guest today is going to be the musical, uh, not the musical director, but the managing director of Sony Music Philippines at that time in the 90s, Mr. Wally Chamsey. And he is the catalyst of all of these things that 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 Wolfgang had accomplished, and he was really the guy who believed in Wolfgang, and not just Wolfgang, but because Sony Music at the time signed Wolfgang, Razorback, Barbie's Cradle, South Border, Andrew E. Uh, who else? Greyhounds, and we all know all those names are successful artists and it's all because of sony music philippines the hard work that that staff gave to all of us and the genius and the understanding of wally chamsey the big head boss understood wolf's wolfgang's music so much and he understood the the true meaning of the band that he gave us total artistic control of our music and you know albums like from Semenolin to Worm to Serve in Silence to Black Mantra I mean if you listen to all those albums that is Wolfgang pushing pushing the boundaries of of what they're capable of as artists and musicians and Wally Chamsey was just 110% support and said you guys do you and we'll figure out how to market you. And that's what they did. They figured something out that is, I think, the, the best marketing strategy that was ever employed in, in the Philippines. Uh, I get in the, mainly in the music business, but I mean, a band like Wolfgang, a band with Wolfgang's music, it's not commercial music, so it's not easy to market. But I don't know. I man, I, I don't know, man. Wally had the pulse. He had the pulse of the people, and he he, he knew what to do. And uh, it was great. Um, one thing to note, if you were from that era, you probably got the single, the weightless single with the B-side, Roadworthy Man, and a few months later, the, 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 the actual album came out. And then all you had to do was go to the record store and submit the stub that was on the cassette and CD of the single. And you got your album. You got the full album. And, man, it, it generated so much hype, so much excitement. The, the, and the fans, I just I can't thank the fans enough for their excitement and for their enthusiasm for that mar- marketing ploy which was which was amazing and every and after that every other company around in the, in that music business that had their roster of, of bands and musicians they had to step up their game because sony music 
um, put up that bar, and the bar was very high, and everyone else did it. So, you know, rising tides, you know, it lifts all ships, and uh, everyone was everyone's ship was lifted during those times. So, um, yeah, and like I said, it's just Wally Chamsey's idea, man, and he is the catalyst of all of this, not just for Wolfgang, but for all those other artists that I mentioned. So. A big respect to Wally Chamsey. And if you're listening listening right now and you're going to listen to the interview, um, yeah, you, you, he deserves all the respect that that we can give. Um, there is going to be a, a, a little conversation about COVID in the, at the start because this was, this interview was done, um, you know, months ago when, when COVID was still, you know, uh, COVID was still high in the Philippines. Anyway, but if you want to skip all that, that's fine with me. I won't. I won't get mad. I won't charge you extra, <laughs> and uh, you can go straight to the to the the Wolfgang, the juicy Wolfgang stuff. But anyway, thank you again for your support. This is WDRS Talk. Can't wait for you guys to listen to this interview, episode thirty-two, with myself and Wally Chamsey. Enjoy. Hey, Wally. Hi, how are you? Guys? Oh man, it's so good to see you. Oh my gosh. You haven't aged. You haven't aged a bit. Oh gosh, I wish that was true. <laughs> what state are you in now? California, Pano? Yeah, yeah, California um, in Orange County. Oh, what time is it there now? It is 7.03 p.m., uh, mm-hmm. but, but the night before. Ah, okay. Yeah, Friday night. How are so, you? How's your cough? You, you you seem to have gotten over it. Oh, actually, between us girls, I actually have COVID now, so I'm on lockdown. Oh my gosh! Pero, Since when? Uh I went in on uh, Monday, got the test on Tuesday, and then been in isolation ever since. Oh wow! So, so how? So how are you? Is it is it bad or? <laughs> No, no, man. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you first few days you feel like you had the flu, but after that, uh, right now it's just like I have. Soon you get COVID, you get a cough. <coughs> it's the first reaction is pneumonia. Oh right, okay. So you actually just have to cure the pneumonia, then you're okay. Ah. That's what I'm doing right now, and it's only antibiotic, naman saka. It's yeah. So you're at, you're home alone? No, no. I'm my wife also has it. Oh, wow. Okay. Do, do your are your kids still there or they have? Uh, my kids, my two daughters are in Australia, and I have a son in New Zealand. Wow. So they're in the lucky countries because you know they yeah, don't. Yeah, there's there's no COVID in New Zealand for sure. Oh yeah. So, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. Oh, they figure we got it from the packages that you receive. Oh, wow. You know how, so you go out, you're careful and things like that. Right. The problem is, is it's now so convenient to have things delivered here. Right. So after a while, every day you wake up, there's a giant bunch of packages outside. You just get careless. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I mean, I mean, I mean, how many hands did those packages pass through? So. Right, and then the thing is, you said you you bring it into your house, you leave it there for a day. Yeah, 
So, oh man. Told me you have to like unpack everything, leave the packaging material outside. Outside, house. yeah. Did so, you did you get uh, did you get vaccinated? Yeah, yeah. I got the Moderna shot, which was terrible. I it put you down for like three days. Oh wow! Okay. But apart from that, okay, lang naman. Uh, well, I guess that's why your symptoms aren't aren't. I mean, it's like a normal flu or pneumonia spell. I guess you know virus. Actually, sa atin, if you look at the numbers, uh, we actually have very, very low death rates. Yeah. So, I think it's really, uh, I hate to say it, Joey Conception once said, parang there's something about the Filipinos na they don't seem, they can catch it and they get sick. Yeah. They, which is a good thing. You know what it is? It's all it's all the bacteria that we're used to living in the Philippines, especially if you live in Manila. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can just imagine the bacteria you have to go through when you're just living. You yeah. know, just living in that in that city is, you know, you. I mean, uh, you, you develop a tolerance. You know. No, but imagine, uh, like I have a friend who works in uh, public services, right? And he said, tonight, you'll have uh, at least 3 million people go home. And they're going to sleep in a common room. Because he's squatter. Oh, right. And at least one person will have COVID in that room. Yeah. 3 million people go home to that. Grabe. So, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, dito kasi sa atin, lockdown seems to be a immediate knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. But it's not solving the problem. The, the, the solution is really vaccination. I That's my, that's that's what I think. I mean, because what's happening here in the States is that the people who are, I mean, there's a, they don't even call it a third wave anymore. It's it, yeah. because it's a Delta variant now. It's a new thing. One. It's not anymore the OG you know, yeah. it's not even the OG uh, variant of COVID. It's a second right. one. Na. So, yeah. nag-spawn na siya, di ba? Oh, oh yeah. man. So, a lot of, most of the, like 99.1% of the cases now from this spike are all unvaccinated people. Yeah. And then it's coming out, it's trickling out. It's not a big wave of people admitting to the public, publicly. About their, you know, they 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 didn't want to get it before, but they got sick and now they regret it. That yeah. that's it comes out every now and then. People mm-hmm. are brave enough because it's it's so complicated here with COVID because the last president really politicized it, where it where as it shouldn't have been because it's about health. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't mix and you can't mix politics and health. I mean, it doesn't work. Right. So. So now he polarized these two kinds of people. His most of his followers don't they don't want it. But of course the sensible ones will get it. You know, they're not gonna jump in the river with him. Yeah. You know. But there are a sect of people who just jumped with him. It's like you know, they put all their faith in into that guy. So so they're the ones who are getting it now. So it's here it's different. It's a lot of it has to do with the uh, election. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the things that happened is that recently the president announced and said 
okay, if you don't get your vaccine, you won't get your uh, your 1,000 peso uh, aid. <laughs> For your vote. 1,000 pesos. But, you know, the, the all the vaccine centers were uh, swamped. Yeah. But, oh, it's an easy solution pala to get people vaccinated here. Just pay them 1,000 pesos to get vaccinated. I mean, I mean, you can, and not just vaccinated, you can pretty much ask them to do anything for 1,000 bucks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're suppressing the uh, vaccine for some reason, the dispersion. Because there's a combination of they ordered all these Chinese vaccine, which nobody wants. Right. <clears throat> they want to bring out a lot of the vaccine closer to the election. So, oh, the 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 what the Pfizer's and the Modernas. Yeah. So wow. the donated forty million shots in one big go, and they're having a problem bringing that out. So, but yeah, but I mean, but that's the thing. I mean, that there's, it's really different, the COVID situations in the Philippines and here. It's really different because here it's really political, but there it's more of, like you said, it's the low death rate. It's yeah. like what? Not even 40,000, right? It hasn't yeah. reached 40 yet. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of people in the Philippines, you know, there's millions of people there. So it has to be naturally, if if it were in American terms, they would still be. The, the the death rate would have been much much higher into the millions I would think, but like I said, Filipinos have just developed an immunity from all these and not just the not just the bacteria but all of these cultures passing through right. the Philippines. So yeah. there's all these germs from the whole world are passing through the Philippines and the Filipinos who are there permanently, mm-hmm. and the locals. So whatever you are, if you're if you're a resident of the Philippines. Yeah. You some you develop this this immune this immunity or something you know this extra this extra yeah. oomph. <laughs> no, and my gosh, you know it's it's decimated the live industry here. Oh, oh, and here, I mean, here it's coming back already. But that's why, um, they want. That's why the the more vaccinations happen, the the faster it's gonna come. I mean, come back. You know. Oh. So now, like the Foo Fighters, they just had no. They they postponed the show, but they required they require vaccination cards. Oh, that's and good. And they and they still sold out the forum. Wow. So, but then of course they had some fans who were like, you know, who are hardcore. I'm not yeah. vac- I'm not vaccinating myself, or you know, gonna anti vaxxers whatever. Yeah. So they were picketing outside, but they were really a minority. They're just they're just very vocal about it, you know. But yeah. they are a m- minority. And then the uh, the other aspect is the uh, the black community who mm-hmm. don't they the, and their only reason is that they don't trust the government because I know and but but they have reason because they the um, like the, the 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 Tuskegee experiments they were I think they were experimenting penicillin on these. On right. these black military people, right? Yeah. Without telling them what it was, they were just injecting them without their permission, without nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Thankfully, it was penicillin. You know, it was yeah. medicine that that helped sa- save lives. But that's the point. They don't trust the government because they just, you know, those those black guys back then were just injected without their permission, and it's like, what the hell is this? It's like, well, trust us. You know, 
Yes. So, so that's where they're coming from. And for a while, there was like a, on TV, you'd see commercials of, of black artists and entertainers, you know, endorsing the vaccine, vaccine, vaccines, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's very different, really different circumstances. Yeah. But, but still the same, it's still the same goal. Everyone has to get vaccinated for, for the world to go back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. You have to be vaccinated. I mean, there's, no, there's no way, no way around it. No way around it, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm a big fan of vaccine. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, it's an added precaution you must have. Yeah. What's the deal about having it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I post sometimes on, on, on Facebook, and my defense is, is like, when we were all kids, we were all vaccinated for anti-polio, anti-measles, anti-whatever, so many vaccines. Mm-hmm. And I was I, I was listening to this podcast, and they were saying that some some rec, rec, like really um, isolated tribes. I mean, there's still tribes out there, right? Yeah. And they're still getting these diseases that have been long gone from you know the rest of of humanity. But yeah. since they're isolated and they're still tribesmen, you know, they're still in that mindset of 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 like that headhunters yeah. and stuff like that. They're getting these diseases that were long gone. So it's just right. it's just proof that yeah. that that these these viruses these disease viruses I guess they're out there and mm-hmm. we you know they're out there they're gonna get any human being you know right. so you gotta and then there's and then my sister she tells stories about her son's uh, classmates because some of the his classmates parents are anti-vaxxers, so they didn't vaccinate their kids. U.S. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're cla- his classmates. And they're like, they're always sick. They're always tired. They're always, you know, it's like, come on. It's like, have have mercy on the child, you know? It's yeah. like, you know, and then, and then when he's 18, then he can decide, okay, no more vaccines for me if he doesn't want. But yeah. But it's still your responsibility for that child to grow up, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so. Oh, wow. so yeah. <laughs> yeah, very strange world. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine back back when we were still, you know, we were working together. Yeah. I mean, I could not, I couldn't. Could you have imagined like something like this? Oh, no. With, it's literally not, you're in a war, right? It's just nobody's. Yeah. But people are dying daily. Yeah, it's 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 a you're right. It's a war. There's just yeah. no explosions, you know. Yeah, but people are dying. Uh, I've had a lot of friends who passed away, and wow. parang it 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 hits you on a personal level when when it comes to that, right? Right. So I I think I don't know how to get out of this though because I used to do so many things. And now you can't do anything anymore. I know. Yeah, so, I mean, I yeah, that's. I was lucky because I am, I'm a care- caregiver by day. Mm-hmm. So anything that's related to the health industry, yeah, your job was secure because yeah. you had to, you have to do it. Yeah, and and luckily for me, I was very fortunate that I was just, I'm a one-on-one thing. Right. 
So yeah. I don't work in those in the in the in the retirement place, you know, which is where my God, that was the buffet for COVID. Those places, right? My God, the first wave, the first deaths were all in these um, um, retirement homes, you know. Yeah. So I during the pandemic, I had I kept my job. Mm-hmm. I was receiving um, unemployment from my other job. So, you know, I was very lucky, but yeah. a lot of Americans are still suffering now. I mm-hmm. mean, right now, right now, the issue right now here is evictions. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so serious. There's millions and not thousands. Millions of people are, 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 are uh, threatened to be evicted from their, from their rented places, you know, because they don't have a job. They can't afford the rent. Yeah. So the government right now is is trying to help them out, but they're you know they're they're not moving fast enough. Yeah. So they did something that will delay it for some time, but they still have to they still have to pay off the landlords to save right. all these people. Yeah. They, it, they it's, it, uh, what's that? If they don't pay off the landlords, the landlords all go under. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone goes under. So yeah. they have to, the government has re, <laughs> the government really has to step in, and uh, it's so funny because all of these issues here in the states now are screaming for quote unquote socialism, you know, or or democratic socialism at, at the very least. But that the government comes in and helps out, which right. is what they did, which is what they exactly did during Obama mm-hmm. in. Uh, in that uh, the crash in 2008, they saved the auto industry. They saved all the banks. They saved the end. So now it's like, it's time to save the people. I mean, the past president didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. This president is like a turtle doing Mm -hmm. it. So now everything is coming out and Americans are just like, you know, it doesn't matter who's up there. We need, we need help. Whoever's up there, you, you need to help us right now. That's the situation here right yeah. now. Well, you know, the Philippines right now is the highest unemployment rate since World War II. <clears throat> oh, my God. Um, so we have, let's say, 120 people in the population, right? 50% are eligible for work. 25% of them don't have work. So 75% of the population doesn't have work. No, um, bas- yeah, well, basically, yeah, yeah. working. So <clears throat> in the grocery stores, the basket sizes are getting smaller because they can't afford to buy everything anymore. Oh, my God. So that's actually the problem because the, the lockdowns, uh, they say, suppress the virus. But in yeah. of the lockdown. You destroyed the economy. Yeah. So, and then if you go things like power books, uh, there are a whole lunch, bunch of these fast food chains, all close now. Because oh, they can't wow. And anymore. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, they have certain retailers which haven't been open for eight months. So things like those the stores you ignore, paperotti, mga ganyan. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
so how to the the challenge of the whoever comes in no is really how to bring back the economy i think i'm 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 starting to think that total like total lockdowns are not um are not the, are not the it's really the vaccines it's really yeah. comes down to the vaccines it, it because the lockdown doesn't really because this whole like la is locked down again la yeah. county and we're not i'm in orange county so it's a different county so the businesses there are just like fed up already it's like they open for like three months now they're locked down again yeah it's like and they're just saying and they have been talking about um to the government in Cal- in 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 the governor and in the government in california it's like why don't we just pay people to get the vaccines already just pay people like what's yeah. happening in the in the philippines just yeah. pay people i forgot to tell you this it's like i got a gift card from target local mm-hmm. you yeah. know you know target right the local department store for for 25 bucks for every jab i got so i got mm-hmm. the pfizer which is two jabs so i'm i'm waiting for my second gift card yeah. so my 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 medical insurance rewarded me with $50 for getting vaccinated so it's yeah. like that's the way that's yeah, that's the way good. to do it yeah i mean i i i mean i they didn't have to pay me but i mean now i'm like okay well at least they're serious when you know when when it when someone gives you money like that you know okay okay they're serious when say we want everyone vaccinated then go we'll, we'll yeah. give you money yeah yeah that's a good idea i mean here wala you know here uh if you go to certain hospitals like st luke's they don't even accept your phil health card anymore because the government owes them 2 billion and hasn't paid them yet oh my god Yeah, so See, when, you go, when you give it, they'll say, I'm sorry, we don't accept this. Oh, my gosh. And it's it's just a miracle that that death toll is not high. Yeah, well, the other <laughs> people think they're underreporting. Oh, okay. Well, hmm, I don't know. Well, everyone is underreporting, you think? Because, okay, so by law, if you think you have covid you're required to go to a government authorized testing facility to have it verified okay so i had to go to uh the city uh health center you can't just have a ordinary doctor do it right so after that they take a swab test and they say okay uh you're positive now you have to go get an x-ray and a blood test but we can't do those things here because it's full mm can go to a hospital so i said oh sige any hospital they said any hospital i went to st luke's and they have a special wing for covid patients now okay and you're only allowed in if you're a covid patient into that wing and it's open air because you can't be air conditioned things like that it's okay. well yeah 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 uh-huh uh-huh but you sit down there and you realize wait i'm with about 150 people who have covid <laughs> Oh my god. Then you they'll sit down and tell you okay. Uh it's a priority system when you a doctor goes there and checks you out. 
and says, okay, uh, you're based on comorbidity. So if you're really, you know, in bad shape, they prioritize you. I do it six hours because they said you're relatively okay. <laughs> and well, yeah. When I finished the test and everything, the guy told me, uh, every day they accept 200 people, uh, they certify 200 people as positive. And he said, it's 90% is Delta variant already. Oh my gosh. So, but then he said, you know, the, so the difference with the Delta and the non-Delta is he said the Delta tends to stick more. So, but he said, you know, it's, parang, you're still okay. Yeah. And, the thing is, is that you're actually in the driveway of the ER. So you have all of these people coming in and they're being oh, in. Yeah. So, parang, he was saying, look, you know, no matter how bad you think you're at, there's so much people who are a lot worse than you. So they only accept now those, uh, I guess, life or death situations. Yeah. With limited capacity. Yeah. And it's terrible. Uh, and then, yun nga, parang, uh, I think while we have relatively low death rate and infection rate, I think a lot of it is underreported. Uh-huh. As the guy said, look, we're already just one hospital. We're over 200 a day. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he said, I don't know what they report. We don't care anymore. My gosh. It's probably, yeah, you're right. It's probably a much larger number. It My is. God. But, you know, what can you do? I mean, it's it's the Philippines, right? Shit. So, oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, the good thing, though, is that if you, if you're really, I guess, machaga and, you know, you <clears throat> uh, go through all the motions, you can get vaccinated if you really want yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, especially in the NCR region. I'm not too sure in the provinces. Because I know the people who started coming to Manila are from the provinces because they can get vaccinated there. So they're trying to palusut here. Oh. So, but I don't know if this is going to go away anytime soon. Shit, I don't think so, man. I mean, here, it's like, I mean, at least... Like the Foo Fighters, a big band like that, to say, right. we need we need vaccination cards. They're yeah. not gonna they're not gonna bend to the to the will of the minority. Say ah, you know, fascist, yeah. whatever. It's like no, this is not yeah. political. This is yeah. for everyone's health. We want everybody in there to be vaccinated. So there's no. So even if there's if there is a virus there, we're all protected at, at the yeah. very least, right? Yeah. Right. Such a weird time, and you're right. It's a, it's a war. It I is. mean, it's an over. It's a it's a crowded hospital. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Um, I never I never really thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. Shit. Well, anyway, <laughs> the the and uh, let's talk about nicer things. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to 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 um to chat with you because. Um, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Semenilin. Mm-hmm. So imagine that 25 years, huh? Gosh, yeah. Silver anniversary of that album, my gosh. And um, 
not many people know this, but they will after this, is that you were you were the you were the the catalyst. You and your team in Sony, you guys were the ones that let uh, I can't I I just consider Wolfgang to be really fortunate that you let us be ourselves. And you had this perfect marketing strategy that was like, you know, genius. It was pretty much genius for that time, for that era, or any era. It was a marketing uh, success. And and people need to know that that you, Wally Chamse, and the rest of the guys and, and ladies in, in Sony Music, uh, yeah, you were, it was like the perfect... Uh, marriage of a record company and a band mm-hmm. so so people need to know that 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 you were part of that and that it was it was all your idea <laughs> it was all your idea man and an album like semenelin i mean if you, I, I i listen to it again so i i've been posting like some trivia on my on my facebook feed right. And I had I, I'd listen to the whole album again. I'm like, wow, we got away with this. We got away with this this album with with songs that are six minutes long, you know, and all of that. I mean, we got away with it. And and uh, I wanted to I I wanted to know what all of that was from your side. Oh, okay. Because I didn't I didn't. You know, before I met you, I didn't know who you were. I, we didn't even know that Sony Music was, was like in the Philippines already. So, how did that? What was the? How does that happen? How does? How do you open a Sony Music in the Philippines to begin with? Uh, I got very lucky. Uh, I met the right people at the right time, and by sheer coincidence, uh, back then it was a different world, no. Mm-hmm. The music industry was actually very, very sophisticated and had a very rich culture of technology and uh, way of doing things. So <clears throat> originally, uh, I flew to the uh, U.S. to meet the head of EMI, mm-hmm. who was talking about their company in the Philippines. And then later on, I got to talk to the head of Warner and the last company I spoke to was the head of Sony. Oh, oh wait, hold on, sorry. W- what were you doing at that time? What was what were what was your thing? Okay, it was a weird thing. A, a friend of mine was hired as a consultant for Russia. And he was going around doing reports on different countries. And his job was to sort of uh, make a report on uh, I think he's doing five countries in Southeast Asia. Mm. And I'm a point of reference for the Philippines. But all these executives, they don't fly to see you, so they'll expect you to fly up to see them, right? And back then, everyone was based in New York. Right. So fly to New York, uh, they would pay you relatively good money uh, to sit down and interview with them for about maybe an hour. So they ask you things about like the promo girls, consignment, things like this. The oh, okay. Stuff. Uh, <clears throat> my last stop was Sony. And the guy said, 
would you ever consider working for uh, Sony? And I started laughing and I said, you've got an Indian in Hong Kong who won't allow food in the office. And you actually think I'll go and work for a company like that? Oh, my God. And it was it was so weird because I think that was around October, right? And on Christmas Day, I was shocked. He called me up to say Merry Christmas and said, I fired that guy in Hong Kong. <laughs> Would you come and do an interview with us in January? So, said, who okay. is, so who is this person in Sony Music in New York? Oh, that was a guy called Robert Bolin. Uh-huh. Uh, he used to be the head of Price Waterhouse. And Sony pirated him uh, to go ahead. I think he was he set up their whole corporate structure. And after a while, he was told, you can go to any business you want. And he picked the music industry. Oh, and okay. So when he started, his first act as president of global music was to hire two uh, new country managers in countries they had no presence in. Uh-huh. and a guy from Poland and uh, when I went there he said you know what I like about you is that you're telling me things I should hear rather than the guy from Poland who's telling me all this other stuff but it's useless right <laughs> so he said what did it take to uh, get you to come on board and then the only thing that would make me come on board is that if I had the absolute uh power and authority to do what I wanted. Wow. And because I, I really didn't want to, right? Yeah. And he said, okay, consider yourself hard. Wow. Galing. And, and I thought it was a joke. Then uh, <laughs> he drove us up to his house in Connecticut for dinner. That was oh. thinking real. Oh and, my gosh. You know, if, you, you look at things now, uh, like for example, I, I tried to push a lot of artists abroad and things like that. Normal executives don't really uh, care for that. Mm. But they just do it, they just concentrate on the local thing. Yeah, because they just want to yeah. make, right? Yeah. I, I call them up and say, look, you know, I'm going to spend all our income this year trying to push these guys overseas. And it's like, yeah, what the hell? Um, oh, my God. And so that's what, what I, I said. I'd like to do things differently. Nobody does, like, you know, heavy metal here in that whole sort of, like, metallica vein. And I'd like mm-hmm. to pursue something like that. Like, no, go for it. The idea would be to build a catalog of work that would represent our uh, Filipino artists. Yeah. So, um that was nice, but you know the majority of the work you can package uh, an album really, really well. If it sucks, it sucks. I think Semenelin yeah. is. I sent it out to him when the I had the first uh, CD pressing. Mm-hmm. He came back to me and said, "Hey, pretty good stuff." Oh, uh, really? So he was impressed with the with the yeah, packaging. Yeah, he liked it. Yeah. So, no, not the, not the packaging, the, the album itself. Oh, the yeah. album itself. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. What's his name again? Shit, I got to say a prayer for this guy. What's that? Bob Bolin. Bob Bolin, okay. 
Wow. So, oh my gosh. It, so it goes way, it goes deeper than you. It goes up to him. So he, he gave you the, he gave you the freedom to give us freedom. Yeah. My God. Galing. And that's why if you notice with most of the artists that I work with, it's okay. You know, if you can come up with just one or two commercial tracks, then the rest mm-hmm. of it, knock yourself out. And the idea is that the, a, you know, it's a unique culture in Sony. They, back then, I don't think they do it now, they would afford you a mentor, right? So when I went to New York, he said, okay, we're going to get you a mentor. He's not your rock and roll guy, but he's a pretty good guy. Okay. <laughs> okay, who is this guy? And I went there, it was Peter Asher. And, you know, I, know that. Was, well, I recognize that name. What's that? Why? Peter Usher is Paul McCartney's brother in law. He was the first oh. for the Beatles. Ah, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. And they, they said, We're giving you this guy because we think that you have a bright future in terms of administration, running an international organization, and you could learn from Peter. So I was thinking I would learn things like, oh, how to sort of communicate with the Koreans and the Thais and you know, mm. talk to them. Nothing whatsoever. Peter would sit down and talk about hours about how they were late for a wedding, but John Lennon refused <laughs> to leave the piano because he was writing Let It Be. Oh, and my God. <laughs> oh, man. And he, he said, he said, these are things that you're not, you know, people are not going to tell you about in the music industry. But this is what the music is about. So they had a lot of weird sayings back then. Like they would always say, he, he, Peter was always, it's all about the music. Yeah. And he's produced like 75 different artists since that time. Oh my gosh. And amazing body of work. And he's still performing live now. If I can ever get down to Vegas, one of my dreams is to see catch one of his shows. Yeah. So, but imagine, uh, and then it's like, have you seen that new act uh, that was on American Idol recently, that Night Bird? No. Okay. I... So it's this this very very frail woman who goes out on stage, uh-huh. and she sings this song uh, called "It's Okay." And you realize the before that is that the reason why she's on uh, America's Got Talent is that she had a relapse with cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. So the whole song is about her last year of life. Oh, shit. Oh. And <laughs> the lyrics are so simple. She only has maybe six verses in it. It's so beautifully done. See, and then you, you, you stop and you see a moment like that and you go, that's what it's about. Yeah. So that was kind of how I felt in the early days when I first heard, I guess, the first uh, version of Weightless. Oh, the demo? Yeah. Right. I remember you, you hear music like that and then it, it touches you in a certain way and you realize, oh, this is important. Uh-huh. It's not really a question of uh, this will sell, this will not sell, or radio will play this or not. 
you realize that when you hear a certain piece of music, that it's important. And when you realize it's important, you realize that other people will feel the same way. Mm. Very, very hard to find. Right. Uh, I think. Wow. People, I mean, you know, you've listened to a lot of music too, right? Yeah. I mean, you you come across that maybe from an artist maybe once or twice in their whole career of songs. I've yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why you have a favorite album of an artist, you know, because that's the yeah. one that that got you, you know. Yeah, and and that I think is there are a few people here like that, uh, you know, that Alex from Urban Dub, the Alex Lim, the manager. Okay. Oh, so he does this thing now where he goes out to all the Visayas and Mindanao artists, uh-huh. and he starts canvassing for people. Who in developing them? He works for, I think, he has a gig with Warner, uh-huh. and it's Ian Monsod now who's running Warner. And Ian, oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh my God, Ian! Damn. And I think, uh, you know, Alex is doing some very cutting edge work mm-hmm. because he's with like these small unknown artists from in the middle of nowhere. And 90% of it is labor of love. Yeah. I think what I thought was really good is recently he started connecting these unknown artists that he's working with, like Tumaguete or Mm. Iloilo. Yeah. Connecting them now with mid-level producers in the U.S. who are Filipino. Ah. So now it's starting to create a new thing for Warner, which I thought was so creative. And, you know, you can only do that, I think, if you really love what you're doing. Oh, yeah. It's a job. Yeah. And that's the problem with a lot of the people in the industry. It's mm. just job. all they want to do is, you know, okay, I've, I've done my thing. I'm, I've been cool for the day. Yeah, I'm going to go happy hour and drink. Yeah. And eat easy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, I think that is that is that made the whole difference. I mean, um, so when you heard that demo of Weightless, mm-hmm. what what did you get it right away? Did you like right away? Did you because I mean we were pushing it. I mean we even as a band we were pushing ourselves. We were like, let's let's put a Santana part in this part. You know the halftime. It it came naturally for us because. We like that kind of music, you know. We, I, you know, we like the, the Santana, Afro-Cuban, Latin style, you know. So, so we were like, I don't know, man. It works for us. I don't know if what. So, so what was your reaction when you when you press play? Oh, I loved it. I mean, to me at that time, it was probably the most cutting edge thing I'd ever heard, and that's why I, I said yes immediately. Wow. I mean, you have to do that because in the, in, the, in the record industry, it's really uh, the, whoever is the approving authority uh, actually has cash. That's what he has. Mm, and he'll right. say, I'll bet on this or not. That's it. Yeah. There's very little science that goes on into it. In fact, the entire music industry I've always compared to like a cottage industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. You know? Yeah. So it's not simple. Uh, it's not complicated. 
and if you sort of like manage yourself well, you'll you'll do okay. I think the biggest challenge is integrity mm-hmm. and in the industry, right? Yeah. So you have uh, certain people who will lie to you outright and tell you, oh, forget about school, forget about all these other things. Yeah. You have a career now. Uh, I don't agree with those. Uh, and, you know, on the other hand is you have people who promise you anything to come on the label. Yeah. And when they the label, they don't want to do anything for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, this 20 plus years after, right? Mm-hmm. The big regret I have is that I could not secure the live uh, sort of like live gigs for the artists more. It was something I always thought that the record label should have done back then. And, what do you mean? Because um, if you could uh, get your artists more work. Oh, okay. Right? Like the record company looks for the gigs too. Yeah, to actually yeah. sit Create the gigs and all that. I mean, I, I tried with the team of Yans in a Jets in a Lucelle. Yeah, I tried, but then it was really hard that time because you're completely- yeah. But then, but then we came up with that uh, that Seminole Nation tour, which was pretty successful. You remember that one? There was Sony. That was your idea, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. the actual pilot, right? Yeah, and I was trying to get them to replicate that with the other artists. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That was my problem. Yeah. You know, well, you know, uh, well, it's already, hindsight is already 2020, but you, we could have done like a traveling festival kind of deal, you know, like all the bands. Because uh, if it, just to remind people who are listening, you pretty much signed, everyone that you signed is still, is still either still performing or the music is still, um, you know, um, it's still being played on, on the radio because, you know, Wolfgang is still being played on the radio. Yeah. And um, so you signed us, Wolfgang, you signed Razorback, you signed Greyhounds, you signed uh, Barbie's Cradle, and you, uh, and Andrew E., right? Yeah, Andrew E. Yeah, even Andrew E. I mean, they were all, we were all successful. We were all successful acts. We were all different from one another. And you, you pretty much gave... I'm going to say you pretty much gave artistic freedom to everybody else, not just us, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, that's how I wanted it to be different because I know with all the other record labels, they will insist that, yes, we will manage your career, but you're going to do it this way. Uh-huh. I wanted to be the one label that didn't tell you to do that. Shit. But what you did was actually just augment the band and just make us bigger than we actually were. I mean, which is what the record company does in the marketing sense, you know, yes. it's what it's like, why you two is so big because they were marketed like that, you know, the, the biggest band in the world or whatever. So you believe that, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and your, um, what was the, cause I remember, how did you, so when, when you, because you mentioned earlier you wanted to find a band, a metal band, mm-hmm. like Metallica. Did you know that Wolfgang existed already at that time or not yet? Yeah. Or what? Oh, okay, I, you did. I already let it go. 
No, I mean before you before you got the job in Sony, before all of oh. your meet, meetings with them. Yeah. Uh, who was I looking at? Actually, there, there are only two bands. It is so strange, right? I would go to um, some place like Strums with JB, who was showing me South Border. And JB Kolaiko. Oh, yeah. So South Border, you signed them too. Shit. So I remember they had one track. Mm. And that was Kahit Kailan, right? Mm. Then that's how early it was. Then after that, we would go to other places like Mayricks. And then we would look at guys like you. Oh. And I said, that's the band, <laughs> right? And it's really, that's the band because musically, it's the only band that really deviated from where everyone else was going. Yeah. See, that, that there was, there's a trend in how you had to play, how you had to create your music. And I think what was nice with you guys is you went, the extra mile. I mean, yeah, you had the extra long sets, you had all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I always thought that's what made it unique, right? And everyone was telling me, I remember a lot of people were saying, no, don't get these mestizo bands. Because I remember catching the last act of uh, Razorback on Calle mm. when it was closing, na. Oh, okay, right. And they were like, don't get these, uh, no, these mestizo bands. They won't travel well with the locals. And I said, yeah, but that's not the point. They sound better than the other bands. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this is about the music. It has to be about the music. Not about what they look like or whether they can speak Chabacano or Mangano. Right. And they were, at that time, it was, I think, uh, Carl Roy was uh, doing his stuff. And he was talking about POT and everything. And they were going, oh, this is going to go places with somebody like Carl who's more relatable. Yeah. How do you be like a Basti or, you know, a tear? So, yeah. But I, I, I don't care. It's the music, right? Yeah. Because when you close your eyes and you're, you're, or you're in your car and your radio, you're not going to see all that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was just perfect for the time because there was still, I don't know, pre-YouTube, you know, <laughs> internet was so new at the time, you yeah. know. So, yeah, you, you, the, the music really mattered, you know. And, I oh my God, I re, I, it's, just, it's just amazing what you, so, so where did you see us in Mayricks? That's when you saw, that's when you said, okay, was it in Mayricks? Not in Mayricks, I think. Or Club Dread? I think it was... I, I saw you close out a set in Club Dread. And... I think it was, yeah, from the first album pa. The song. Oh, wow. And I was listening to it. And I go, you know... Very, very compelling lyrics. You, you, you cannot deny. And then oh, the yeah. way they wove through the lyrics... I love that uh, in the first album. It's it's different in the albums that came after, but that first album was so different, right? And I said, nobody does this type of thing. Well, maybe early, early, early Juan de la Cruz. Yeah. When they were out and all that, but yeah. uh, certainly not in the later works. Right? Yeah. So I always thought that, you know, <clears throat> it's, 
would have been nice if it could cross over overseas. And that that was nice because the way that Basti had structured a lot of his lyrics. Yeah. So yeah. The, the only problem is that, you know, Chepra, when you go abroad, the bar is so high also. Oh, <laughs> man, yeah. <laughs> I found that out the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> the, re- the real way. <laughs> yeah. So so I so there's I've been uh, I've been on interviews and uh, somehow relating a story that uh, a funny story that happened in Ivory when we left them the mm-hmm. moment and and when we had this meeting because we had the meeting to um, tell them that we didn't want the option to continue yeah unless. And then, and then, because Man, we had Manuel, because Manuel is the spokesman, you know, you know Manuel, he's the diplomat, he's the level-headed one, and the three of us are all emotional. So he's like, Manuel's going to talk, you know, <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay, if 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 they don't, um, what's so what's our condition for us to stay? So we have to decide. It's like, well, Sony says there's a chance that they can bring us out out of the country. So that's what we asked them. They have to match that, that you know, that uh, whatever that claim. So there's a this whole those this whole story of that um, that that meeting, which ended up uh, us getting kicked out. Do you do you know this story? Did we ever tell you this? We got kicked out of that guy's. Uh, what's his name? Ocampo, right? Yeah, Tony Ocampo. Tony Ocampo. Oh my God! We got kicked out of the office because Mon said said fuck yeah you know how mon is mr yeah. side comment it was, a, side, it was a side comment but i guess the the old guy was like offended with the word and we got kicked out and then i remember in the parking lot we're just looking at each other so it's like i guess we're signing with sony right uh and then patrick was like um wait a minute i gotta go back up there and and say something so it's not weird or whatever it's like go whatever let's go to Sony right now. And yeah, that was the, I, and then I remember before that meeting, you brought us out to lunch, man. You, you took us out to, you took us out on a date, man. And then they're like, Oh, but, and then of course, I, I mean, other people, Ivory, they, they didn't do that at all. Mm-hmm. All they did when we would, we would get food while we were recording the album, but we were never, uh, wined and dined. Like you, like you do. So we're like right off the bat. It's like okay, Sony Music, Epic Records, you know the the record company of Michael Jackson and, and all of these these great artists. And this guy is telling us that we can do anything. And you know, so it, it was amazing. It was just amazing when I look back at it and and. It Wolfgang would not be Wolfgang because that second album really took us to yeah. everywhere, all the way to the states. Yeah, you know, all the way to 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 Japan. Like you know, so man, thank you. I just want to say thank Thanks. you, man. And then another thing, like you were saying, another thing that I liked about you is like you were you gave it to us straight all the time. You never sugarcoated it. You always gave us the options. Okay, this is the situation, A, B, and C. What do you want to do? Yeah. And then whatever we decided, you said, okay. I'm like, you were so, uh, 
I, I can't believe it. I can't. <laughs> I can't believe we got away with 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 uh, with that with with making those albums. Not just Emelin, but but all the other albums are all very adventurous. When I look back at it, I mean, it's just amazing that that you let us do all of that. You made Wolfgang grow until it could not. I mean, you know, until it was fully grown. You know that those those four people. And yeah, it was amazing. So another question I wanted to uh, ask you was the a little background on on you mm-hmm. that people don't really know. And I was shocked to know this when I, I found out back then. But I, I was shocked. It's like you were uh, you were actually responsible for the Hollywood or bust um, project. Is that correct? Uh, well, uh, with, or part uh, of it. Tom. With who? El Salvador. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Rage Band, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not well, not really. Oh, part of it, yes. My brother was recording it. Uh, we had a brand new studio back then, and he wanted to test everything. Who's this, Dennis? Yeah, Dennis. Oh wow! And so he said, "Can you come in and help a little bit?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And that was my first first actual recording experience with a local artist. So I remember uh, two inch to their sixteen track machines back then. Yeah, uh, that was the height of technology, and man, that was a long, long time ago. It's all I, I remember all super analog. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And so what so, was that? So what was that project about? I mean, the, uh, well. They wanted to go to Hollywood and see Badong and see Marisa were dating at the time. So uh-huh. that's the singer and the guitarist, right? Yeah. Okay. So they re- needed to record a demo, and they had one track. We recorded like three versions of their demo. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave them like a hundred cassettes, and that was it. Oh, okay, but wasn't there a concert also? Ah uh, yeah, they had a concert for it. They, they at the, that time, see Juan Miguel was pretty big with Marisa. Okay. But you know, um, I've also done things like that. You remember that "Tell the World" of his love with the uh, Pope and Trisha. I don't know. I'm not. I can't. I can't remember by right now. <laughs> uh, I did that more or less right after. That was the uh, World Youth Day visit here. Oh, okay. And so this woman goes up to me out of nowhere, right? And she says, uh, I need to record this uh, demo to submit for a contest that the church is holding. And I was like, sure. But she said, I have no money. So I go, you're serious? And she goes, yeah. (laughs) So I go... Okay, you know what? I'll I'll talk to my brother. If he's going to do it for free, I'll <clears throat> waive all the studio fees as well. And we recorded this one track called Tell the World. Uh-huh. And then <clears throat> later on, she won the grand prize and everything. Oh. Which was 100,000 peso cash, which is a lot of money back then. Uh, two trip, uh, Two tickets that guaranteed you met the Pope. So she was giving the tickets to her parents. Wow. And she came back and said, you know, I promise if I ever won this, 
I'd pay you for it, pero wala na eh. So, you want guys want to replicate this na lang for us? And you're like, yeah, sure, why not? So, they'd probably make about four or five thousand copies. And out of doing, I don't know how many hundred thousand copies at the end of the day. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it was huge. I don't, I don't remember it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Worked for the there's a religious record company before called Praise Incorporated. Uh-huh. Actually worked there for about four or five years. So we had the whole series of the uh, the two big series I did there. One was for si Father Hontiveros. Uh-huh. And that was the weirdest experience. You had this Jesuit priest with a little keyboard. And a, a, at that time, a little uh, Mac computer. And he went up to the, our office one day and was asking my brother to give him lessons how to do MIDI. Okay. Back then, right? And eventually he would get things up and he would record uh, himself. And that became eventually the start of Himike Suita. Where all the Sina Manuling, Francisco, uh, everything emanated from that one group. Okay. But if there's this one priest who would go there and say, uh, boys, wala kong pera. <laughs> <laughs> so so these are, this, this is the priest singing a religious song on guitar? Yeah, uh, no, uh, he had a keyboard. And he oh, offered, a keyboard, a keyboard, okay. Yeah, he would bring in small choirs and we could only, I told him, okay. <clears throat> But we can only record it at night because yeah. then Dennis is poor Dennis. Uh, I made him record <laughs> all of these people for free. <laughs> oh my gosh. But he did that now and then he did uh, eventually he started doing stuff on his own. So he's actually recorded for the Dominican Sisters a whole rosary series that has gone around the world. Oh wow. Live, uh, live uh, recording. Uh, well, spoken word. Uh, oh, spo- okay, all right. And he's actually done a lot of work for the uh, Daughters of Saint Paul as well for free. Wow, Salina. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it. Fe- I guess he felt good. It's like, oh well, I guess it's okay. You know. Yeah, I mean, to Dennis, someone he just likes to be in a studio recording, right? And of course, Dennis, Dennis Cham uh, mm-hmm. recorded, engineered um, Worm, the third yeah. album. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he, was, he was. He's a trip. He's he's fun to work with because <laughs> he's so nerdy. It's it's so it's fun, you know. So yeah. he's just yeah. He still records up to this day. Yeah. Huh? Where? Where? Still in hip? Still in yeah. hip? Yeah. I mean, he he likes the... Because he, he lives in that area. Mm. So he just walks to work every day. It keeps him busy. Nice. So, But now it's mostly commercial work. Yeah. But I think in a while he still does stuff for the madres. It's interesting. Dennis Cham, man. So, um... Now let's get to that part of that 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 awesome marketing plan you had for Semenelin, mm-hmm. where it involved. It was like a 
like a three, at least a two-pronged attack. One being the single, the the weightless single, and the roadworthy mm-hmm. man side B. Yeah. And then you buy, you buy the you buy the cassette, and there was a CD already, right? The CD single. There's right. a CD single, right? Yeah. See, that's 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 another thing that was uh, groundbreaking for in in the Philippines. A CD single, not just an album, but just the side A, side B. You know, yeah. another thing to you know to collect. Mm-hmm. So oh, it came wait. out. Huh? I mean, I remember it. you bought a single, and later on came back to get the album for free. For free, yeah. So yeah, okay, how how long was the wait? Was it a two week wait or a, I think it's a thirty day wait, right? Yeah, the thirty day wait and and to drive people crazy when they went to the store, we had twelve different uh, cassette covers and twelve different CDs. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> and you had and you had and you had different uh, posters in the yeah. record stores. Yeah, we had six different posters up. Six so di- every week we changed the poster. See, it was a three-pronged attack. Yeah. See, the album, yeah. Every, oh my gosh. So how did that, how were the meetings for that in Sony? I mean, I was, I would have been a, you know, fly on the wall to see that you know, when you were coming up with those ideas. Well, you know, you'd be surprised. Uh, everyone actually likes those type of meetings. Oh, yeah. Uh, straightforward or one cover, one, I you know. Uh, when you have these big creative meetings that challenge people, then people get more excited and more motivated to work. Right. So if you remember, yeah. we also did that uh, Wolfgang one with the acetate film. And then they had instead of uh, different covers, because they said well, you did that one thing with mini covers, each song had a sort of like a poster cover. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics were at the back, and you could switch. Oh them yeah, out. yeah, that's right for the CD. Yeah, so was that what the, that was for the US one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the idea was that um, when you have these creative meetings, people will stay till four or five o'clock every day to discuss them. Wow. As well, a, you have to feed them, and B, you have to keep the grid going. But that type of thing is, I think, what. Because, you know, the problem with people, especially now in the industry today where everything's just, oh, stream one track, people don't care about what the consumer gets. Yeah. I wanted to get something that people would have, like, I hear about it now, 20, 30 years from now. I know some people who have a lot of the original cassette seminal uh, albums that they never yeah. opened. Oh yeah, they never opened. They they bought two copies or three copies. Or so, yeah, know. and that that is important to them as yeah. fans. And that's what I wanted. I, I thought the music industry uh, should be about because the people I was well working with, primarily abroad, this is what they would do. They would sit down and go, "What does this fan want?" Yeah, right? as opposed to. I'll just put out the music and make money. That's why, you know, Sony at that time was a really, really unique company for me. Especially yeah. when said, you know, uh, every year we'd have to meet about twice a year. And it always ends with show me your, your the projects you worked on and what you did. 
right? And he's always like, I want to see something better next year. I thought that was very, very cool. These days, it's just how much did you make up by the end? Oh, yeah. It's not about the music anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not just music, you know. It's a lot of it is packaging. A lot of it is holding something today. Right? Yeah. I mean, I love it that vinyl's coming back in the Philippines. Yeah. And, you know, I hope it continues because it's not, it's, it's not cheap, but it's not too expensive. It's like one, two, one, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pressings that are done in Hong Kong, which are fairly decent. And they're doing a lot of the OPMs. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, the, in fact, the woman who's doing this used to, I don't know if you remember her name, Tasha Tawasan before. Uh, Tasha uh, well, she's Tuason now because she married a Tuason. Uh-huh. He opened a record store called Backspacer Records. Uh-huh. And they licensing and reissuing all these old DM. And I think they're doing wonderful. Where, do, where are they pressing it? In Hong Kong? They're pressing it in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Okay, na. Oh, no. And I think that eventually it'll come back. Uh, I, I I can't relate to this. Parang I, I think digital is wonderful in the sense that, yung if you have only one good track, at least you can put it out. But I think like if you listen to the quality of a lot of the digital stuff out there, it's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, mean, the yeah. Go the, ahead. Uh, what's that? No, it, it's okay on a head headphone but then the moment you put it on the speaker it's terrible oh yeah especially spotify oh my god the audio quality of spotify but um i don't know if you know this but apple music they they made their their whole thing uh lossless and then there's some songs well not some songs but there's a chunk of songs that are dolby atmos and spatial spatial you know it sounds amazing I mean, amazing. I mean, it's digital, so it's in the phone. So, you know, it's as amazing as you can get on the phone, you know. Mm. And, and, it, and, and it really sounds really good, especially like on, on headphones. Mm. So, so it's like I'm listening to all these. Even, even like, uh, even there's uh, Semenelin is on Apple Music. So I heard Semenelin on there. I'm like, whoa, because <laughs> it, it, it's lossless. They... They yeah. somehow tweaked it lossless, and it's like, wow, I've never heard this album this clear. I mean, and this and and the bottom end is so solid. So, so how yeah. did that? Do you remember how did that uh, that idea of different covers come about? Was it like a oh, I have an idea, all let's do different covers, or was it a gradual growth of an idea? Uh, we were talking about how in the 70s they would release limited edition uh, covers, right? Mm-hmm. And why don't we do two? And then later on, uh, I don't know, what, what, I guess it was the beer. And I said, <laughs> why don't we do 20? <laughs> because the cost of printing is going to be a little bit more. I said, yeah, sure. But then... I go, can you imagine when we get to the store and all of a sudden you're there going to trade your free, uh, get your free album, right? And all of a sudden you're like, oh gosh, which cover do I get? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
So I, was, I remember talking to James and James like, well, if you can get uh, the designs up in time, I'll get the merchandising space. And he did. I mean, we, we paid a lot of premium for the space and things like that. But I remember when the stores just opened that day when we had the merchandising, people were calling up that they were running out of certain designs, things like this. So that was very, very exciting for us. Yeah, it was it was exciting, man. And then and then I remember the posters weren't even complete in one in one store. It was like maybe my face and then yeah. Basti's would be in another store. So it's yeah. really like collectible item if you get all four and and then and then we had even shirts from the top from top forty. Yeah. We even had shirts from top forty and and then uh yeah, it was amazing. And then, so moving on, the Semene, and then I want to talk about that gig in Cebu. You were there. Right. With that whole 30,000, 35,000 people. Yeah. Semene had come out already, right? Yeah, it had yeah. come out already. Yeah. Were you expecting that crowd? Because we were not. Did you have any inkling that there were just going to be so many people? Um, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's Sinulog. <laughs> so you were there, you were there just to be there for Sinulog? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I had always envisioned that, so, Cebu is like a huge untapped market, right? Mm. I think big for music, the problem there is that there's so much, um, I guess, diversity in terms of taste. But the demand is definitely there. And it was said that if you could make these big festivals like Sinulog work, mm. or, you, know, you could do a big payout. So the big challenge that I'd always face was that I said, okay, what if we go and do our own, right? And then the people who are actually managing artists like Sina Alvin, Sina Luciel were saying, you can't compete with the promoters because you're going to drive the promoters crazy if you go down there. Because I said, oh, you, know, you wanted to, you wanted to produce the show. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So my thing was, you know, we should just make a deal and say, okay. Because I said, if I can get a million uh, to fund this, right, and then mm. we will people. Because I had all, I think I had all the right uh, people with me who could manage ticket sales, and you could reach out to other people who you could help you with. If I funded this thing. I can sit down and tell the artist, oh, ganito, uh, wala kaming kikitain, hati na lang tayo. So anything you make uh, in the concert is yours to keep. Wow. But that, that way, we just have a giant festival every year. Yeah. Right? And then they said, no, you can't do that. And I go, why? And they go, all the promoters will hate you. Right. And those are one of some of my regrets. I wish I went ahead and did it. Because I think you can still work with the promoter, probably hire them in. Yeah, hire them in as the local, you know, the local crew or whatever. But yeah, you're but still the one who runs the show. I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, the problem is that there's so much resistance, lang. Uh huh. They wouldn't give you the venues, things like that. Right. But if I could have gotten that, I think that that was the direction of the where the record company should have gone. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, you could have, you could have, 
with the roster of Sony Music itself, you could have put a, a festival already with that that lineup. Yeah. Wolfgang, yeah. Razorback, Greyhounds, Barbie's Cradle, Andrew E. I mean, you know, that's pretty diverse yeah. right there. <laughs> you know? Why not? Get the venue, it's not yeah. enough. Get the sponsors. But that was always the problem. They said the all the promoters would hate you because then you'd be taking money away from them. From them, yeah. No, but then that's why you just have to pay them off or hire yeah. them, you know. Yeah, the problem is there are too many of them. <laughs> yeah, too many beaks. Oh. <laughs> too many beaks, man. Yeah. So, okay, moving on from um, Semenilin to Worm. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing, the special thing about Worm was that you, uh, that whole, our whole adventure in Japan. Yeah. That was a whole, I, I mean, for me in my life, when I look back at, at those times, that that whole Japan era of going there twice and and you know being invited back because we got picked mm-hmm. really significant. Um, I think not just for Wolfgang, but just but for you and mm-hmm. for and for the Philippines. You know, yeah. I mean, we got you. You got Worm released in Japan. I mean, it's now it's a collector's item. The, the Japanese press. Yeah, and I'm so I'm so happy because when you're a band and you have a Japanese press, that's a different kind of badge. You yeah. know, I, you understand that the Japanese press is always different from the whole world. So if you if you're a band and you have a Japanese version of your album, it's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> so so how did that happen? I mean, how did that happen? Um, it's okay. So in the uh music industry I don't know how it is today because it's you know it's completely different but back then you you basically had these opportunities to meet different people and I'd met the head of the domestic label in Japan so when I was there do you remember a long long time ago they had Ken Ishii came to the Philippines yeah Ken Ishii yeah Uh uh-huh so when Ken Ishii came to the the head of Japan called me up and said, look, uh, Ken Ishii is the major techno artist of his time. Uh, he just done the soundtrack for Akira. And I need you to go help push uh, the, the record. So I said, great, fly me in 2,000 CDs. I'll put up a big display there because that's the best time to hit it. Eh? You only tell me like five days before he's arriving. Of course, yeah. I can't hit it up, right? Yeah. But then we did a store signing in Tower. We did a uh, display during his show. Fifteen CDs. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> At all, right? And so the, a week after, I called up the head of uh, Japan. And I said, look, I'm sorry you really tried, but, you know, it's it's not a lot of people yeah. show, but they don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. And that's fine. And he goes, um, when are you coming to Japan? And at that time, I had to report to Japan three times a year. So I said, oh, and this and this and this. And he goes, okay, when you come to Japan, I will take you out for this Japanese uh, yakitori barbecue. 
and let's talk about music. And is this the guy with the mustache? Uh, well, they all had mustaches. <laughs> <They all. laughs> no, but I, 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 but I remember the, the when we had dinner after the show, mm-hmm. and that 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 guy who was talking about, you know, his friends with Paul Rogers. Is that the guy you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, and he's a jazz musician, actually. What's his name again? You got cut off. Sorry. Uh, oh, again, he, again. E I T O. So, uh, Ito. Okay. so what happened is that when I went to Japan, he said, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you wasted so much money with us. Pasensya <laughs> 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 na. I know yeah. that's okay. And so he said, what music are you passionate about? And that's when I gave him a copy of Worm. Oh. Oh, he asked and, you. He asked you that question. Yeah. And later on, uh, he he called me up, right? Because back then the internet wasn't that big. I uh, know everyone was doing long distance. And he called me up and he said, you know, I don't understand this music, but I gave it to... <laughs> no, he said, I gave it to my associate who does. And we want to try it. Wow. And that's how... Right? So it's really the relationships you form with other people in the other parts of the world. Yes. That will make it happen. Uh, but I'll give you a great story. There's this woman called uh, Lee Danai, mm. and she was a vice president from Warner who moved to Sony for publishing. And I had met her, and I think the reason why I ended up with her is that nobody wanted to stay with her because she's from Kalaban. Okay. <laughs> and we had some lunch, and we became really good friends. And before I left, she said, can I ask you for a favor? I go, sure. He goes, I've been working with this album. It's one of the most pirated albums on Napster. Mm. And nobody wants to release it in this anywhere. Because they said, you know, Napster already has 6 million copies. Who's going to buy it? Pa? So I brought it home. And that album was John Mayer, Room for Squares. Oh, shit. Yeah. That was so, so new, my gosh. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I remember going to Ross and said, hey, Ross, what do you think about this? Shit, I love it. So we released it. It was John Mayer's first gold album globally. Yeah. And that's all because there was this woman who said, oh, so you, can, you could still do that back in the day. Yeah. Now it's not so different. And yeah, same re- thing. Uh, Kulai, they had their album. Oh yeah, was- Kulai. Yeah, Kulai. Forgot about Kulai. My gosh. That was such sayang because I remember they hit the number 10 in the BBC. And wow. that time they were the first Asian artists to actually do that. Wow. BBC chart? Yeah, in the UK. Wow. Oh my gosh. What song? Uh, delicious. Okay. But unfortunately, that's when Jenny had her accident. So I know. Was like, yeah, that was so. That was so unfortunate. I mean. Yeah. But but month. still, but but still, I mean, I mean, I mean, they were on their way to success. I mean, it was you know an act of God that stopped it. So you know we can't do anything about that. But they were on. I mean, they were already successful. Oh, yeah. were, like you said, they have the reputation of being the first Asian act 
yeah. to crack the BBC uh, yeah. top 10 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, whew, you know, I mean, you, yeah, th- there's a lot, you, you've got a lot under your belt. So the, so the, so that first visit to uh, Tokyo was the, was the uh, showcase, right? Was that their idea or, or was he asking you, okay, so do you have a contestant for this contest? Was that a thing already or did they come up with that idea? No, actually dictate who can come. So you're, they, you're selected based on your music. Oh, okay. So if, if, like, if China didn't produce anything good, they wouldn't have picked any, any, anyone right. from there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys were selected by the Japanese. It wasn't us. We we give them a lineup of artists that we ask them to consider, and they pick from there. So so that event was already they 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 already they put out the the the, the memo. We're having this submit yeah. your your roster. Okay, okay, I get it. That was fun, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was so much fun. That was so much fun because this. You remember? I don't know if you if you rode with us to with the transport. The they had the like the the big combi. You know, mm-hmm. remember the combi? Yeah. So we would go there with all the other bands from all the other Asian countries, and no one was talking to each other because no yeah. one spoke each other's language. You know, every country yeah. had a distinct language, and none of them none of them spoke English, so we couldn't communicate at all. Then after the whole show was done everyone was relaxed already and and i remember the drinks were free the asahi beer that was the first time i tried asahi beers like when we got when we were going home again the same bus going back to the hotel everyone was talking to each other not understanding a word anyone else is saying because we were all drunk but we were all just laughing because you know no more pressure it was a fun it was a fun event i mean it was so much fun yeah and uh And then I remember, uh, like, and then I remember one thing that's what's that's great about you is that you you always have this smile on your face, and when you deliver news, it's really the same level every time. It's not you don't really get too excited like me. It's like it's like if I was you and I was going to tell Wolfgang that you're that worm was going to be released in Japan. I would have been like jumping and shouting and shaking everybody. But you were like, hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> you, you know, worm's going to get uh, released in Japan and you're going to play again. And whoop-de-doo, yay. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's just so, it was so simple and direct. And uh, so how did that part come about? No, I mean, um, so when, after the performance, right? Uh, this guy Ito, who's fairly high up uh, in his division, no. Mm-hmm. So, what's nice, kasi about them is that his job is he decides what actually gets on the shelf. So he can pick any record in the world and say, "We're gonna sell this in Japan." Wow! Right. So he goes. I didn't understand the word they said, but he goes, "The music is really good." He goes, I've been to the Philippines so many So he actually knew Tato uh, from Freddie Aguilar days. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
right? And he was saying, you know, this is so different from where the music used to be. He goes, before you used to just be caught in this like slapstick 60s type of sound. Uh-huh. And he, I like this. This is actually very mature. And he goes, I just don't understand English uh, lyrics. Right. But he goes, I, I can hear enough of it to know that it's good stuff. We're going to release this. Wow, my gosh. That's awesome, man. Because, I mean, for... For Filipino artists, I mean, uh, for me, I'm I'm talking about myself. I don't know about the other guys. It's like it when you turn on someone who's not a Filipino, because yeah. because the success can get into your head, and it's got to my head a mm-hmm. couple of times, and it's like the test is it's like okay, your stars here, but are you gonna convince someone who's not Filipino, someone who does not understand English at all? Yeah, you know, like a Japanese person, and and this guy, <laughs> this guy, like you said, he picks what goes on the shelves, so he knows his music. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like it's it was a huge achievement. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to realize the music of Wolfgang is different. Uh-huh. I, it's it's hard to articulate, but a, a lot of the music is very very deep. It's very introspective. You can tell that somebody took a lot of time to put everything together. Yeah. And I think uh, 90% of the people out there don't appreciate this type of stuff. And I think that those aren't really the music fans. They're just casual listeners. Yeah. And their Spotify's and Apple Music are so large, right? Yeah. When I was in the music industry, this was something that I thought was fascinating because I always said, how do you survive piracy? Mm. And look, in any point in history, only about 3 to 4% of the population actually bought original uh, CDs. Yeah. It's just that the number of people in the population were so large that even though the, num- the volumes were low, it was enough to sustain the industry. Right. What killed it was when people decided that I don't need that CD. I can just get one track. That's what killed the industry. Yeah, it really, yes. I mean, that's a good segue <laughs> because, we had, because we all went through that, the whole Napster thing. That It was a whole change. Yeah. And, and, and now like we were just talking about Apple Music and the lossless, that's the result of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a, this Apple Music, lossless, Dolby Atmos, is the direct result of that change that happened at that time when it was becoming digital. And yeah. I remember I remember having a huge argument with uh, Miguel Mari. Mm. You remember Miguel? Yes. Uh, our, the art director, right? Yeah. Uh, of, the, uh, of the album Packaging. And um, a huge argument because he was already using Napster. Yeah. He was already, and, you know, and I was still, I guess, on the side of, you know, anti-Napster, mm. whatever. Because I did not know, I didn't know anything about it. It was just yeah. whatever was on the surface again. And then, of course, Lars Ulrich of Metallica was already in Congress fighting this, this thing. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, if Lars is fighting this, I guess I should fight it too because it's, you know, 
So I had this huge argument with Miguel Mari in Hobbit House. I remember we were screaming, screaming at each other, <laughs> yeah, making uh, making uh, making the point of of, of of him downloading stuff and me not liking it. But eventually, you know, that's where it was all going. You know, yeah. so I eventually got an iPod. Uh-huh. You know, because because then because Bass was like. Have you seen this man? <laughs> you know, like he, he had the first generation iPod, you know? Yeah. I was like, what's that? It's like, look at this. And then I'm, you know, me being a techie nerd, I'm like, oh my God, what's this? Yeah, you know, you and you fighting with Miguel Mari about this. This is the one, <laughs> you know. So if you eventually just, you know, go with the flow, you know, you can't uh, or unless you want to become an old fart, you know, who's yeah. who's uh mad at everything i don't want to be that so i guess so what was what was it like did you see it coming i mean the um, whole because it's 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 weird the whole naps napster thing is a totally different thing because since the internet wasn't that strong in the philippines no one really and not everybody had internet during the time yeah. so no one was really downloading you know it was mm-hmm. people who were tech savvy like miguel mario who knew about it Right. But um, it was still piracy in the Philippines. So it's mm-hmm. different from what was happening. Yeah. So did you did you see it coming? Oh, yeah. I mean, we'd have long conversations about that. I mean, the challenge kasi, is that in the old days, the music industry controlled media. They controlled distribution. So they could gate who actually became famous and who did not. Mm. And when all of this was coming, I said all of a sudden the uh, industry would lose its relevance. And in fact, that was my last conversation with Peter Asher. And this was uh, just as Napster was starting. right? Uh He said, don't be afraid of the uh, digital age coming in and taking over. Because he said there's two things that they cannot do. He said, number one is that technology, everything. Um, he goes, you can take away the means of distribution from the entire music industry and give it away for free. And that then was still my space to have friends there. Yeah. But he said, it's going to come back to one person writing a song. And that technology can never replicate that. And he said, the second thing is that he said, when you talk about the music industry, he goes, it's like uh, what makes music different from television and movies is that music is about dreams, right? You, you, you think of something, you communicate an idea, and you reach across to this almost like he had a great expression. He said, it's like touching another person's soul. Yeah. Oh, goes, yeah. You won't be able to do that on television. And he said, you won't be able to do that on movies. And he goes, those are the two things that should be what the music industry is about. And not about distribution, not about all these other things. And he said, if you can focus just on those two things, uh, then everything else will follow. Mm. You know that um, was that movie yesterday. You, uh, it, it's the about 
they wake up one day and everyone's forgotten about the Beatles songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never saw that. But yeah, that's a cool concept. Yeah, I mean, so there he's competing with people like Ed Sheeran. And he's playing all these Beatles songs. <laughs> these Beatles songs. And he realized how powerful a really good song is that comes from the heart. Yeah. And the challenge today is that they're rare and people have to do what they used to do, which is basically go out, uh, look for the artists, find them, yeah, uh, and bring the music forward, hopefully without too much interference from all these other producers and things like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of new artists that I, I, I listen to now are just, are, they do it themselves. Um, it was, there was, there's this band who's popular right now, Black Pumas. Mm-hmm. Um, you, have you heard of them? Black Pumas? No. They're, uh, they're uh, so, it's soul, you know, okay. uh, old school soul, not like 70s soul, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's just two guys from Austin and it's the one, uh, a white guy and a black guy. Of course, the black guy is the singer, obviously. <laughs> and then, this the guy, the white guy, just found the singer. In they were they're from Austin, Texas. So he's just a busker. He was just busking, oh. but of course he was singing like he sings. If you if you listen to their music, can I mean he sings really well. <laughs> you know, he's right. a really good soul singer. So they just got together and they, like you said, it really comes down to the songs because they have good songs. Yeah, you can be a great singer, but if the songs are mediocre yeah. that you don't remember them so now they're really popular and they came from nothing mm-hmm. so that's the great thing about here in the states and i guess i would say you know first world countries like like the uk and and scandinavia their their music scenes they're very healthy that you can find artists everywhere and you don't they're not you know they're not prepackaged. they don't need to be you can find yeah. real artists that 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 make good music anywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think in the Philippines it's very much lacking. I mean, there hasn't been a really big explosion of 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 multiple bands. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about the '90s, where so many bands, so many record companies were signing everybody. Everybody got signed, you know. It's like, yeah. and then I remember everyone <clears throat> everyone would get signed, and then you came along and you would get us from, you know, you, you would be like, uh, you'd be like, uh, like a big corporation, you know, buying up the smaller one, you know? And, um, yeah, it was a whole industry. It was such a healthy industry for a while. Yeah. And of course the piracy really, really killed it. I mean, what was it? What was, I don't remember. What happened to Sony? I mean, uh, oh, okay. how, how long how long did uh, Sony last after? Because I mean, because when Wolfgang broke up, I was I after when Basti was here in the states, mm-hmm. it wasn't long after I came here already. Yeah, and I so, had just let go of everything, you know. Yeah, what happened is they merged with BMG, and in the merger process, they said, okay. Uh, what you have to do is you have to divide the employees equally. So, oh, shit. 
in assert a Sony was the bigger company in Asia. So you had some of the kings there, like the guy in Taiwan who said, okay, uh, I'm going to get the security guards and the cute secretaries, and that's it, five people from BMG, and everyone else is fired. So you had such a big deficit left with uh, uh, Sony that had to somehow be compensated. Yeah. So my boss came up to me, he flew in, and he said, I'll make you a deal. Uh, I'll keep you. I'll keep Ross. I'll keep maybe one or two more people. Then you have to fire everyone else and use BMG's people. Oh my God! And what so, year? What year was this? Oh gosh, I don't remember anymore. Was so, it uh, early two thousand? I guess. Okay. So then I said, "I tell you what, I'll make you a deal." Uh, I'll walk away and you're going to keep everyone else. And he said, I can't do that. And I said, well, I'll tell you two things. Number one is that if you fire all my key people, we're a paperless office before. Eh? It's all computerized. Right. BMG is a paper ledger. Uh-huh. So you'll never reconcile anything. Yeah. And the second thing is that parang he said, uh, parang uh, if you, I'll talk to some of the executives, people like James or Matt, you wanted to go to another industry na rin. Uh, Okay. And I'll try to get a number of people to voluntarily leave, but you're going to pay them really well. So we shook on it. And then normally uh, we have this conference every June, uh, which is the Asian conference. Mm. And I had to delay it all the way to September that year. Yeah. So when I went there, they had a really big party for me. And the guy goes, this is the only executive in the world who gave up his position so everyone else could stay. Yeah, man. Come on, man. Of course. What did Champ say, man? He's the man. But you know, they're back. No? Uh, so they, they carried on with... Uh, oh, they're back. Sony Music. Yeah, uh, they, oh. they carried on with BMG for a while and it didn't work out with uh, yeah, the local guys in the Hong Kong office. The Hong Kong office actually shut them down. <laughs> and what I did, I was lucky because my boss then, I told him, I've never asked you for a favor. I'm going to ask you for one. Okay. You're going to save Roslyn. Tawa tawa lang siya, sabi niya, done. So um, Roslyn was, uh, gosh, I forgot about her, man. Roslyn yeah, was where in in Sony Music in BMG. Uh, she was inside marketing, right? And they used to treat yeah. Me so oh, used really? To and they brought her to Hong Kong, uh-huh. and now she heads international for the region, and is now the head of the Philippines for uh, Sony. So they in the Philippines. So who, who so who are the artists now of Sony in the Philippines? Her biggest right now is Ben and Ben. Ben so, and Ben? Yeah. I mean they have like a billion streams. They're amazing. I think oh, they're wow. what, what, what are they? Are they a singing duo or something? Uh it's a group. It's a it's it's a big ensemble. Uh and they're doing okay. 
she has a lot of new artists also that they're working on. Uh-huh. So I think the challenge today, though, is that I think for one stream on Spotify, you get a fraction of a... A fraction of a penny. Yeah. And you make more money on YouTube, but then that means you have to produce a YouTube video. Naman. Yeah. So, but then, you know, I think at some point, they should be able to recover. It's really just the COVID. Mm-hmm. But I think if you went out on tours now, that would be a very big scene here. Yeah. Because so many restaurant venues, there's so many malls now that are looking for a way to bring the crowds back. Yeah. Live music. Yeah, live music will be the big one. I mean, can you imagine yung San Migs uh, Glorieta 3 closed? Mm. San Migs in Glorieta 3. One on the ground floor that's always punong-puno. Oh, shit. Because there's liquor ban. Oh, that's right. right oh, there's a liquor ban during the lockdown? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, that's that's an extra special thing. <laughs> there's yeah, no liquor yeah. ban here for lockdown. <laughs> Kids still buy. I don't understand. They, they, yeah, that's they, so weird. They, you can't. Uh, drink together so they they start ah, selling okay. up. It's crazy. But imagine Sanmig is the single largest uh, sales point of beer in the whole Glorieta area and it's uh-huh. closed up here. So. Oh my God. So uh, no, one, one, one more one last story before we go. Um, sure. We were on the verge of actually playing here and and actually being based here. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as fate would have it, <laughs> and the luck of Wolfgang, uh, the luck of Wolfgang ran out, I guess, uh, because 9-11 happened. Yeah. And it changed the whole world, of course. And it mm-hmm. changed the course of that plan. So what yeah. was the plan to begin with? I remember... Like, like like I said, like in your in your very special Wally Wally way, <laughs> with a smile on your face and very calm demeanor, you said, "Oh, I think uh, we have a plan to bring you to the states, and you stay there, and you live there in New York, and then you and then you build your thing." And that, I mean, that was the biggest plan I've ever heard from from you. And it's like, so what was the what was that like? What happened there? Oh, everything just fell apart after 9-11. Yeah. I remember at that time, I met C. Patrick in New York. Right? He, was, he went there for a while. And who's I who's said, Patrick who? Redbird. Oh, Red, <laughs> Redbird. Okay. I actually saw him there and we went out, we had dinner, we, we chat about it. And I said, look. Oh, he was like tra- recently. Okay. No, this was a part of that, right? And then he, oh, he was okay. moving there. And I said, hey, um, you know, if you're going to go here and we bring the band here, can you do something with them, right? Because I said, I can try to talk to the Sony people to try to get them some gigs. And it's not going to be, you know, opening for stadiums, mm-hmm. but certainly for showcases and things like that. Yeah. Um, And he said, yeah, he'd be willing to make it work. And that's that's what I decided to say. Okay, maybe we can fly them out there, work something out so that uh, 
you know, they at least get a shot at exposure there. Yeah. The nice thing that what I wanted to do is putting it through the system. It you would have the opportunity to be with all the A and R of the record labels. Yeah, because it's there, they're all there. Yeah, and uh, that's usually what they do is they do the showcase for the executives also. Right. So since ano naman, I had a good relationship with all the executives. I don't think they would mind if I tell them, "Oh, siguradong naman ako artist ko" and things like that. So I think yeah. that was all all there, right? And they were like, "Okay, you know, we'll do this for you." Oh my God! But you know, like I say, things things happen, and, and you just move forward, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and and what could you what could well, you know it's like what could you say right it's yeah. like guys uh, no more plan because you know 9/11 <laughs> I I saw that plane it was just in the office and then they they said hey turn on CNN look what's happening yeah and I remember at that evening good charlotte was supposed to fly into the philippines oh. and that oh and that's no, right yeah They were an unknown entity then. Yeah. And the manager and the manager goes, we can't get on a plane. Do you know what's going on? My gosh. Yeah, I was, I was, I remember going to, I remember going to between Escalante's house. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I was, I was delivering a demo because she sang on Black Mantra. You remember yeah. that? She yeah. sang backup vocals. So I gave her a copy of a demo of what she was going to sing, you know, mm-hmm. so she could practice. And uh, she goes, Wolf, come inside. You got to see this. So I'm like, what's happening? Everything okay? I go, yeah, just come inside. So her whole family in the whole house, all the maids, everything, the help, they're all watching CNN. Yeah. And I go, oh, what's that? What movie is that? What movie is that? It looked, it looked like a movie. It's yeah. Like, what movie are you watching? It's like no, dude. That's in New York right now. It's in the World Trade Center. I'm like, I'm like what? So we're just watching there, and I'm like, and uh, my parents were here in the states. Mm-hmm. They were here yeah. at the time. So I go, uh, I gotta go home because my parents are in the states right now, and I don't think they they don't they don't know this is happening yet. So I went home, and then my sister was already already watching the the thing. And then by the time I get home, the second building gets hit. I'm like, "Holy shit! What the fuck is going on?" And it's like, and then she called my my mom. It's like, and then it was six. It was nine a.m. in New York, so it was six a.m. here. So right. my parents were still asleep. Mm-hmm. Called my mom. It's like, it's, you know, when you get a call in a weird hour, you get nervous, right? Yeah. <laughs> so my mom's like, "Oh, what's happening? What's happening?" It's like. Are you watching CNN? It's like why? What's it? Just put it on CNN, and then they they, they hung up, and hey, of course that's what happened. And then we still had to record. We still had to record Black Mantra during that time. I know we were still, we were still recording that album. Right. Oh my gosh, that was. And then oh and yeah so. Do you? And, the, and you even tried, did you, you tried, right, to get us visas even after 9-11? Yeah. You, did just, you try to, 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 to force the plan? Yeah. Yeah. But then they just locked everything down. They locked everything down, yeah. Because Mo, I remember Mon was the one who needed a, 
a visa. Everyone else had a visa except him. So, yeah. oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I look back at that time. It's like, oh well, like, you know, it's not meant for. It's not meant to be, right? And it's not. Yeah, sometimes you don't get you don't get what you want, you know, and yeah. uh, and of course, you know, I mean, compared to what people who were killed at that time and and the war that happened after that, <laughs> all that shit that happened after that, I mean, and the world, the whole world changed, and uh, but but um, but so that yeah, I just want to thank you again, Wally, man. I mean, well, you. I, I am me because of what you did, man. You know, and and the, and all the other members of Wolfgang, we are who we are, you know, because of you, you know, and 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 your team and all of those people who worked with you, who worked till five in the morning <laughs> to come up with these great ideas. And it hasn't been replicated. It hasn't been duplicated. I don't think it ever will because then people say, "Oh, well, that Wolfgang did that already." There's yeah. a pre- precedent, so so I just want to, you know, thank you and 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 great job. It, it's a great legacy for both of us, you know, and uh, I'll never forget it. So thanks a lot. My pleasure. <laughs> All right, so I'll see you soon, and give my love to Dennis and you and your wife get get well soon, please. Thank you. Okay, no worries. Take All right, care, Wally. Take care. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.